You're listening to NGSC Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSCSports.com where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSC Sports' YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSC Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSC Sports. We never stop. Only a few more preseason games to go before the regular season kicks off, and you could start the season by winning $2 million in week one at DraftKings.com, America's favorite one-week fantasy football site. It's the biggest fantasy football contest ever. $10 million in prizes are up for grabs, including $2 million for first place and $1 million for second. One-week fantasy means no season-long commitments. It's fantasy football on demand. Play where you want, when you want, with the players you want. Just pick up your players, pile up the points, and pick up the cash. That's it. You've never experienced football like this. Every game feels like the playoffs, even in week one. And every broken tackle or spectacular catch could take you closer to a $2 million prize. This isn't fantasy as usual. This is DraftKings. Welcome to the big time. Hurry to DraftKings.com now and use promo code SPREAKER to play for free for a shot at $2 million in the week one millionaire maker. Enter SPREAKER for free entry now at DraftKings.com. That's DraftKings.com. Now I face up, I hold up, I reach up to the Sports show the podcast anymore, Wes Bradshaw. God, we're going with that little racist rant I just threw on me. Yep. Welcome to appropriately enough a foreign affair episode seventy slash one. We're, we're no, we're just we're just going to keep the seventy. We're just going to yeah. Keep don't going don't don't try to do slashes and crap. You're really going to mess us all up. Dude. It's it's episode seventy of a foreign affair and the all new sports show podcast. I'm Edward Green, joined as always, although for the first time in the new name, by my colleague Wes Bradshaw. And of course, this podcast is still, even with the name change in art design, it's being brought to you by NGSC Sports and NGSCSports.com. We never stop. And of course, special thanks to this episode's sponsor, DraftKings. You can draft people, not like the purge, but like athletes, you can draft them uh, and win daily prizes in daily leagues. So go check out DraftKings.com. Thanks, DraftKings. Uh, Wes, we have a big show today. Of course, we are going to be breaking down week four of the Barclays Premier League. We're going to be giving you a Euro 2016 qualification preview. And uh, I feel like there's something else we need to talk about. I'm not... 
Not quite sure what it is, though, Wes. Guys, I look around right now. I'm trying to see if all my windows are shut in the house. Hmm. I know one window that slammed shut, though. Which one? A little prematurely on some people, and that, <laughs> my friend, is the transfer window. Ah, yes. As the transfer window shuts, the new podcast known as A Foreign Affair starts, and we will have so much to talk about on the David De Gea saga as well as the slightly less talked about Saito Berahino saga going what? over to Hawthorne. What? So, something happened with Manchester United? I what don't... the what? Uh, who knew? Ed Woodward's so good with his money, which uh, I don't understand. Uh, we'll also, of course, have the other big story of the week, uh, as you know, appropriately enough, with college football starting well tonight for most of you listening to this podcast. Uh, we will have a nice little story about that. And, of course, we'll end the show with Watch For and So Raw. If you want to join in on the conversation, conversation, this is going swimmingly well, you can get us at AFAPod. That's the new Twitter feed for us with the podcast. It's AFAPod. You can, of course, still find us also at All New Sports Show, at Wes Bradshaw 21, and at Edward Green. Still find us on Facebook, All New Sports Show, Instagram as well. YouTube, the All New Sports Show, if you want to check out the show side of things. Email us, allnewsportshow at gmail.com. You can still mail us your letters and parcels and your Keurig cups to 1701 Sunset Avenue, Suite 201, Rocky Mountain, North Carolina, 27804. And Wes, as we dive in, I just got to say, stay fresh. Oh, man, the purge is over in the movie, Ed, and now we're having the moral, the obligatory moral ending to everything. But was it and, worth it? I don't know. I, well, unfortunately, you and I had to start this podcast, so I actually need to go back and watch like about the last 20 minutes of it just to get all the moral outrage out of mm. myself. Mm. Um, this also cues the moment as soon as the credits roll that the boy goes to bed. Ah. Oh. Ah, I had to throw that in there. He gets it. He knows what I'm talking about. As the boy goes to bed, we start off with your Barclays Premier League recap. Uh, and it was another interesting week in the BPL. So much to talk about. Here are your scores from the this round of matches. We're going to start off with Newcastle nil, Arsenal 1, Akolacini own goal in the second half gets Arsene Wenger's side three points, which is all the consolation fans of the Emirates side need after their team, again, was not able to secure a striker at the deadline. Uh, another red card. A lot of straight red cards so far this season, Wes. Uh, Mitrovic sent off for Newcastle as they bravely God, tried. Weak. Oh, so, so weak. There's been so many weak red cards this yeah. year is the problem. It's the NFL, Wes. It's the NFLification of our beloved Prim. How, how dare they? How dare they? Um, otherwise, it was AFC Bournemouth 1, Leicester City 1. Leicester gets a steely draw on the road as Jamie Vardy equalized in the final few minutes with a penalty. Callum Wilson opened the scoring in a twin, the 24th minute with an excellent bicycle kick in the box that sent the Goldson Stand Stadium into a frenzy. And Wes, again, Bournemouth, they look so good, such attacking prowess, but a 
bad penalty giveaway at the end sees two points slip out of their grasp. Well, you know, um, Bournemouth. Oh, man, Bournemouth. They're somewhat the sweethearts of the Premier League this year. Mm-hmm. Obviously, amongst the newly promoted sides. Um, you know, it hurts everyone just a little bit when they don't succeed in their goal. But, you know, I mean, getting a point's a point for them. So Yes. I mean, they just they need every point they can get their hands on. So. And they are trying very hard right now. Uh, at Villa Park, it was Aston Villa 2, Sunderland 2. What's that? Another draw for Sunderland? Surely you, Jess. Uh, a Scott Sinclair, not Scott Sterling. We love Scott Sterling just a bit more here at a Foreign Affair pod. But Scott Sterling with the brace for the villains. Sunderl- you Scott Sinclair. What did I say? You you made the Scott Sterling joke and then called him Scott Sterling for real. We do love Scott Sterling more. Of course we do. We love him so much. Jermaine uh, Ger- Lenz equalizes for Sunderland in the 52nd minute. Wes, I, I know we don't have high hopes for Aston Villa. They're not getting Emmanuel Adebayor, I guess good for them. They're not getting Dimitri Berbatov at the deadline. Uh, this was a sort of all-or-nothing year for Villa. Everything's yeah. coming up Millhouse, isn't it? Absolutely. For a team, though, that was really coming up Millhouse, now it's Sunderland, a second consecutive draw for them. Are they maybe not as bad as we thought they are, or they have just been playing sort of the bottom teams and this is what's happened? No, they suck still. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I just believe, you know, early in the season, a lot of teams haven't really figured themselves out yet. Mm-hmm. And if you're someone like a Sunderland or you're, once again, it's what we talk about, those teams who are predicted to finish at the bottom, this is the time to try to pick up as many points as possible when maybe the teams who are better than you aren't quite up to snuff yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I still think Sunderland stink. I still think they're probably the worst team in the Premier League. But, you know, they're doing everything they can right now to try to, you know, try to pick up some points. And, of course, they made the move of the transfer window with their acquisition of Mr. Fabio Marini. Oh, somebody had to pick him up. How much did that end up costing you guys? I want to say, because I heard two different figures. I heard eight and ten. If he went for eight million, that means we basically lost six million in the last twelve months on him because they had we had agreed to sell him to Sunderland last summer for fourteen million, and then he declined the move. Awesome. So, thanks a lot, Fabio. Well done, Never sir. Oh, I'm sure he will now. Right behind your mask. Exactly. Uh, at the Etihad. Uh, it was Manchester City 2, Watford nil. The Citizens still have yet to concede this Prem season. Raheem Sterling opens his account for City in the 47th minute, and Fernandinho makes it 2 in the 56th. Uh, Manchester City struggled a little bit in the first half to break down Watford's defense, but a few adjustments at the half saw them through to 12 out of 12. Watford, lowly Watford West, not able to get a shot on goal, but City again with another solid victory to open the campaign. It's uh, it's just crazy these Premier League uh, riders. I mean, I'm trying to figure out still how City are going to finish fifth after such a good start. <laughs> oh, I'm still trying to figure out how they're going to finish sixth. Good point. 
Um, no, they they have all the lookings right now of your Premier League winners. Of course, we're four matches in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's kind of like, like baseball, the old adage in baseball. Um, you don't win... You don't win a championship in April, but you sure as hell can lose one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I think in the Premier League, it's more, you know, you don't win it in se- you don't win it through September, but you can find yourself way out of the race. Um, so City, I mean, obviously the only perfect team left in the Premier League. They, they have the look almost of Chelsea a year ago. Yes. But you know, but you know, and the thing is, Ed, since we made our predictions, they've kind of gone and done what we said they needed to do all summer. Mm-hmm. And I think the reason we picked them so low was because they had not made their moves. Yes. And here they are. You know, they brought in Nicholas Otamendi. They've gotten the young, more athletic central defender. Um, you know, they they go and spend big on Kevin De Bruyne. Yeah. Now, with De Bruyne, De Bruyne is almost a luxury buy yeah. for City. But, man, what a hell of a luxury buy. <laughs> you know, anytime, I mean, if you just want to change, switch some things around, you, you now can go to either Kevin De Bruyne or, you know, David Silva. Oh, yeah. Now, that's, that's, that's not bad for your attacking midfield. Well, and also for a team that, as I've mentioned a couple times on the pod before, for a team that – should also be setting some of its designs on European success to have that sort of flexibility with someone like De Bruyne who has already um, some European in him playing in the Europa League last year for Wolfsburg can only help this team. Oh, absolutely. And, um, you know, it seems like fans of some teams are – what am I thinking? They're, they're threatened suddenly when their team goes in for a big-name guy in a position where they already have a big-name guy. We don't need him. We don't need him. But hell, you know, um, personally, the way I see it is, I mean, if you've got the money and you're not neglecting a different part of your team, I mean – Bring in another guy, and if he's better than your current guy, so be it. Yeah, the Premier League is a grueling affair, uh, as we've seen over the last few and, years. And then we throw Europe in with it. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure. Domestic <laughs> Cups. Depth is so important at this stage. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you're a bigger team, you've got to have numbers. And, you know, I, I do think, not to go off subject, I, I believe that's going to help Liverpool come good, actually, is the fact that they do have depth. Mm-hmm. Um, they got to get it put together with the first team still, but that, you know, but you know, City and Arsenal and Liverpool to me have depth. Chelsea, that's nope. somewhere that they're lacking is in depth. Well, that said, Chelsea has depth. It's just Josie refuses to play anybody else, and they have thirty-seven players out on loan. So <laughs> exactly, and and uh, United. I can't decide if United have. I don't think United have depth because they have bodies. They have yeah, they have bodies. Bodies does not equal depth. Yeah. Remember, uh, Mario Balotelli and Ricky Lambert were bodies. Yes. Um, you know, Emmanuel Adebayor is a body. Oh, he will be a body the rest of the year. <laughs> but um, you know, I just getting get back on City. The the more you look at the Raheem Sterling deal. 
when you've got a shitload of money to spend, just spend it. Yes. If it's a guy you really want, just go out and buy him. Um, they did it with Sterling. I think you're seeing suddenly what Raheem Sterling can do when he's not asked to carry a team. But then you put him around world-class players and just let him integrate into that team. Mm-hmm. I mean, God, the kids, he's still, he's 20 years old. I mean, he's hes scary, good potential all over him. And he has played very well for City early on. Um, and now as a Liverpool fan, I'm going to go gouge my own eyes out for saying that. But. Fantastic. <laughs> <sighs> it's, it's but, a- but basically, that, that's what it comes out. They yeah. bought well. They replaced where they needed to replace. And right now they are, without a doubt, your odds on favorite, I believe, to win this Premier League. I don't disagree with that at all. Uh, as we head to the Britannia, it was Stoke nil, West Brom won. Tony Pulis's men get a win on his return to Stoke as the home side goes down to nine men in the 31st minute. Uh, they went to, to 10 after Ibrahim Afele. Uh, was sent off in the 25th for slapping an opponent's face uh, somewhat lightly. Is that is that a La Masia um, tutorial that he picked up? I think so. That's what they teach him. That, that my friend, is the true measure of La Masia. <sighs> Beautiful. And then our good friend Charlie Adam, he of the the wonder strike from last season. He gets sent off after pulling a stomp on a player in the 31st minute. West Brom finally gets on the board in the 48th minute in the first half on a Solomon Rondon goal. Uh, West Brom, an important three points, Wes, but down to nine men, you really feel like West Brom should have been able to do more. Well, you know, sometimes it actually makes it tougher to break down teams when they go down a player. That's fair. Literally because, you know, they they lose most all of the impetus to attack. Mm-hmm. Especially if it's a if it's a tie match when it happens. They lose all the impetus to go forward and attack. So basically they just pack the box and sit back on you. Mm-hmm. So and give West Brom credit going out and getting the one goal they needed. Um, yeah, I didn't get a chance to watch the game by any means, but right. I mean, hey, for all we know, they got the goal, and then we're like, all right, you got nine guys, try to score on us. Yes. Um, well, because it ain't gonna happen. You ain't gonna score on us. No, not at all. Uh, moving on as we go to Southampton, maybe no longer so much team in crisis, although they do just get by a ten-man Norwich side. Uh, Graziano Pele opened the scoring at the end of the first half, and Dusan Tadic had a brace in just three minutes, starting at the 64-minute mark. Uh, Steven Whitaker went off after his second yellow in a four-minute span about midway through the first half, and that gave the Saints a much-needed lift at home. Wes, a team we felt the European uh, struggle they'd gone through already this season, starting to take a toll. How would they replace team? Uh, a lot of the players they'd given up on uh, transfers the last couple of years, they still do have Pele, and they still do have Tadic, and they should still be able to handle the bottom teams in the league like they did against Norwich. And I think that says a lot about this. I mean, it's Norwich, a team that a lot of people are predicting to go back down this year. Um 
I think the biggest the biggest key, the biggest goal this year for Southampton is A, guaranteeing your survival. Mm-hmm. And then B, you know, trying to climb up the mid-table wherever you can. Um, you know, the one thing about Southampton, Southampton have lost, God, I believe they've lost seven players to to basically Liverpool, Arsenal, and Man United over the last two two off seasons. But they just they are so good at spotting and developing talent at Southampton that you know you kind of feel well if anyone can handle it it'll be them right. But when you know it's kind of like a college football team. It's kind of like what happened to Alabama when all of a sudden all the underclassmen went pro. Mm-hmm. And it's like you had to replace just so many good guys at once or within a short span. And, and you did see some fallback from an Alabama. Uh, you know, Southampton is somewhat in that where they've got good guys to replace, but you still lost really good talent. And you lost a lot of it in a short time period. So I think this is somewhat of a let's see what we have year from Southampton. I guess if there's I, I, any, I don't think they're going to have any problem staying up. Yeah, but um, I don't think they're going to be disappointed to finish eleventh this year. And and the good thing, if you want to call it that, going for them right now is they got eliminated from Europa, so they don't have to worry about European competition anymore. Stretching what is already sort of a more thin team, as you say, than we've seen in recent years for Southampton. So. And, not, and not to say that by April they might not have quite a bit of depth because they found it and they developed it. Right. But especially at this point of the year, where as you said, you know, they would be going into maybe group stage of Europa and be going to such lovely places as Kazakhstan and Russia. Yes. <laughs> you know, instead they get to work their players more on the training pitch. Um I mean, never forget two years ago when Liverpool made their run at the championship, no European competition that year. Mm-hmm. And everyone just praised Brendan Rodgers about everything he was able to do while, you know, while having a full week between matches every time. Oh, it helps. You know, I mean, it helped, you know, because you, know, you kept you guys a little healthier, a little fresher, um, and you just got more time on the training you know, in training for the guys. Right. So um, that might be something that could really come into play and help Southampton as their season goes along. Certainly. And now we're going to hit the big four matches of the week, two of them being our teams, two of them being the other two big results, I think, happened during the weekend. Let's get out of the way, Wes. At Anfield, Liverpool nil, West Ham three, the Hammers had not won at Anfield since 1963, but they got off on the right foot very quickly as Manuel Lanzini, who? Yeah, Manuel Lanzini scored in the third minute. Uh, Mark Noble, maybe West Ham's player of the match, uh, had a goal in the 29th minute on a terrible giveaway in the corner by Dejan Lavran, and Diafra Sacco put it away in the 92nd minute to secure all three points for West Ham. Uh, a pair of red cards in the match, both for double yellows. Uh, Philip Coutinho early on in the second half on a bad challenge. Uh, that saw his second card. And then Mark Noble uh, was also sent off after a second yellow much later in the second half on what maybe was a bit more of a spotty challenge uh, that may have been more just him falling down. Either way, both men left the pitch. It was 10 on 10 the rest of the way and West Ham got three points. 
So I know you thought we weren't going to talk about this much because of transfer deadline and all that, but we do have to talk about it a little bit, Wes. The, the Liverpool unbeaten streak comes to an end at home against West Ham. And in the year 1963, the Beatles released their first two albums. Love the Beatles. Those albums were Please Please Me and With the Beatles. With the Beatles. Uh, the United States did not know who those Beatles were. Nope. And they were obviously jamming uh, down at the cavern on Merseyside the night that West Ham defeated Liverpool last at Anfield. Love um, <laughs> I, I, sent a, I sent a tweet to a guy that he and I mutually follow each other. We're both Liverpool fans, hmm. uh, but also he's he is a big Duke fan. Oh. An, an actual, a real Duke fan, not one oh, okay. of those Duke fans. Okay. I believe he actually went to Duke, pulls for Duke football, talks about a lot. He does a lot of ACC stuff. That's fair. And uh, I said to him, I said, well, I said, there's only one thing this can mean. Clemson's finally winning in Chapel Hill in basketball this year. <laughs> yeah. If this isn't a sign, I don't know what it is. That's true. Uh, because this was the Clemson Carolina I guess kind of tradition <laughs> in the yeah. Premier League. Uh, West Ham, what can I say? Completely deserved winners. It was not a fluke. Nope. Um, Liverpool looked completely unbalanced on the day. Uh, I'm not on the. <laughs> I'm not one of those who has now jumped onto the. It's time to fire Brendan Rodgers. <laughs> there are plenty. There are plenty. They don't need me on there. <laughs> Uh, but I do believe Brendan Rodgers made some – he made personnel mistakes. Uh, Lucas Leva, why are you playing Lucas Leva in this match? You're at home. Good question. You know, your goal at home is to go and attack. You know, why are you playing Lucas Leva? Um, Joe Gomez, another guy. You know, th this was a good match to start Moreno in because you let him bomb forward and attack. Uh, Joe Gomez has done a really good job helping to shore up Liverpool defensively on the back line, but he's not offering much going forward right now. Uh, I believe they kind of played Emre Chan out of position. And, I mean, a lot of this is coming due to some early season injuries for Liverpool. Jordan Henderson uh, injured. That is kind of what brought along the um, Lucas Leva having to play for us at the yes. moment. Um, well, you know, here's the thing on Lucas. Because everybody talks about how underappreciated Lucas is. You've never been his biggest fan. Well, well, here's the thing. Well, Liverpool fans love him. That's the thing. Liverpool fans love him. We used to hate him. Now we love him. Um, <laughs> yeah, here's the thing. Lucas Leva is perfectly built for Liverpool to play against four teams. Arsenal, City, United, and Chelsea. <laughs> because in those four matches... You as Liverpool are not going to be bombing forward trying to score a bunch of goals. You're going to want one goal and to hold. And as a holding midfielder, just someone who can break up play, Lucas Leva is good at that. He does not offer you very much at all in the way of going forward. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, in, in this match where Liverpool, it, it's like, Liverpool couldn't figure out if they were trying to attack or trying to defend. And it was just, it was an ugly day. Philippe Coutinho obviously was nowhere near his best on the day. Picked up the double yellow. Coutinho gets his first Premier League red card. I mean, you know, that's just one of those, you know, you know we talked about Tarber throwing a touchdown pass two weeks ago. <laughs> you know, this was like, wait a damn minute, Coutinho got a red card? What the hell did he do? 
Um, Katia didn't have a very good game. Firmino's still working into fitness. Um, I was encouraged with Danny Ings coming mm-hmm. on, getting his first action for the Reds. Uh, I've, I've got a feeling we're going to see a little more of Ings, especially until uh, Sturridge, Daniel Sturridge is back, 100% healthy, ready to go, which if you believe the tabloids could be anywhere from September 12th to November the 8th. <laughs> yes. So there's about a month span in there where somewhere Daniel Sturge is going to come back. Um, the, the gorilla in the room, the 500 pound gorilla in the room is a Croatian named Dejan Lovren. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Because through three matches in. Yes. The narrative was, Man, Dejan Lovren's coming good. There you go. And then he had two of the most cringeworthy moments by far of the of the season so far. First, he lets that all all you gotta do is just kick the ball out. Mm-hmm. You're two feet from the back line. Just kick the ball out. You know, live to fight the corner. No, instead he tries to play the ball out from the back, gets his pocket picked. Leads to West Ham's second goal, which really seemed to be the goal that put Liverpool, you know, suddenly it's like all the air came out of Anfield at that point. Right. Um, and then, <laughs> and then Lovren tries to uh, channel his inner Cristiano Ronaldo. Be- beautiful post by the men in Blazers. Oh my God. Yeah, I'm, I'm still not directly from them. But he, he decides to bring the ball into... Out of midfield. Sure. Tries to do a couple of step overs. Immediately just has the ball taken away from him. And, you know, uh, West Ham immediately turns it into a dangerous counterattack. Yes. And and that was just, at that point, I could literally see Dejan Lovren's Liverpool career maybe flickering out. Yeah. Um. I'm surprised Brendan Rodgers didn't pull him in the match. He was, I mean, he was terrible, but he held on with him. We've got the international break. As a lot of Liverpool pundits are, are saying right now, Brendan Rodgers almost looks like he is prepared to lose his job just for the chance to prove that he was right about Dejan Lovren. Yeah. I mean, is why suddenly is Dejan Lovren worth it for you, Brendan Rodgers, to lose your job just so you can say, ah, oh, he came good. I knew he would. I mean, we've got Sacco sitting right there on the bench. You know, apparently we want to give Sacco 100,000 pounds a week. Why are you going to give him that if you're not going to play him? That's a good question. I mean, it's just, it's mind-numbing right now some of the questions going around. And like I said, I'm, I, as you know, Ed, I'm a glass half full person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I try to look at the bright side of things. Yeah. Um, as I said to you, Liverpool. Hey, if you if you had told me going into the uh, going into the international break, Wes, you're going to have two wins, you're going to have a draw, and you're going to have a loss. If I looked at our schedule, I would have said, "Give it to me, give it to me, give it to me twice on Sunday." Mm-hmm. And, and here we are. We've got seven points through four matches. I believe that was a goal. For Premier League teams, if you average two points a game per season, you're going to make the Champions League and you're going to have a good chance to win the league. Mm-hmm. 
we're at seven through four. The only thing that would be better would be eight through four. Yes. So, um, I mean, we're on a good pace right now. I don't, I don't want to lose all hope over one bad performance. In, all right, uh, we are, we're going to move on. In 10 seconds or less, would you go to a back three instead of a back four? No. Would not go to a back three. I just I think we have enough options in a back four. Okay. Would not go to a back three at all. Fair enough. Uh, let's head over to Whiteheart Lane now to talk about Tottenham uh, turning in a better performance on the day in a nil-nil draw against Everton. So happens they ran into a Tim Howard who was more – uh, World Cup 2014 against Belgium, Tim Howard, than how he was in most of the Premier League. Last season, Tim Howard. Uh, Tottenham put on 20 shots, six of them on goal, and get absolutely zero of them to go through. Uh, Ryan Mason playing in the number 10 role for one of the first times in the Spurs' top team. Uh, had two wonderful strikes that were saved by Howard. Overall, a much better performance from Spurs, their first clean sheet of the season, unless you count the United match where they didn't allow United to score a goal against them. Uh, we also saw Deli Ali come on in another uh, substitute role and, and, and immediately ignite the offense again. Uh, Eric Dyer is turning into a proper, hard, no-Fs-given defensive midfielder uh, to the point where I actually posted he probably needs to dial it back like a half-notch. Like he like he's almost gone too far with it. Just needs just bring it back like half a notch, Dyer. Just you're the Dyer Wolf. Just just bear bring back the teeth. Just just a little bit. Just a little half bit. Half a notch. Half a notch is the difference between being a world class central defensive midfielder and being a walking red guard. <laughs> you are exactly right because that's that's what I'm just terrified. Like every time, Sling knows. Don't do it. But don't. I like his spunk. It's very nice. Uh, Danny Rose back in the first team for the first time in the Premier League this season, uh, forming a good partnership in the back. I, I got to say, Wes, uh, about the only thing you could really say in this game is, God, I wish Harry Kane had taken his one-on-one with Tim Howard much better, and then we'd be talking about a five-point uh, Tottenham team rather than a three-point Tottenham team. And Ed, I, I hate to say, through four matches, we've almost gotten a question. Is Harry Kane having a sophomore slump? I mean, has not scored, had the one-on-one. Just right now does not look quite as confident as the Harry Kane of last season. Well, I, I almost think part of it, and, and, and the, the, the commentators the last couple matches have been quick, very quick to say, and, and they are right, uh, his service for the most part has been abysmal. Um, and that's something we're still kind of trying to work out. The other thing is, I would say, on, on the one-on-one, he takes a look as, as he's starting towards goal. And, and I feel like some people, and maybe I could be very wrong on this, I feel like a lot of people would probably think he was looking back to see if there was a defender coming on to him. I actually think, especially the way this season has gone so far, I actually think he was looking if he had help. And if he had someone to pass it to, because that's what he's been doing a lot more of this season is looking for the next man to try and be more of a distributor or creator. And and I almost feel like if he had just focused solely on doing what he kind of does best and that's scoring goals, I I think he beats Howard. I I don't know that that was necessarily a lack of confidence. 
I think he was just trying to be maybe a little bit too unselfish. Again, I could be very wrong in how I read his body language on that attempt. But, but I honestly think the way I've seen him play the first four matches of the season, it looked like he was thinking, oh, can I ditch this off to somebody? And Because and, if, if he does, they're wide open on net, and, and it's a goal, easily. Uh, but I think somebody of his talents should, should be a little more selfish there and go ahead and put it in net. Um, I, I think, honestly, it's just going to be a case for him. Once he gets the first, and hell, it might come in Europa. Once he gets the first, he'll be right back on track, and then we can stop talking about all this. He's not playing bad. Put him on track last year. That's true. Uh, he's not playing bad, and that's the worst part. Is he's he's actually playing quite well. Um, he just he just needs to get on the score sheet, and once he does that, everything will be fine. Um, very happy though with the rest of the Spurs team. They're they're starting to just look better. Uh, they they looked more dangerous for a lot of this uh, this match. Uh, I don't know if that was all Everton's doing or not, um, but I just I, I really feel like this team is starting to get very solid. West, something you've said about Liverpool, we say about Tottenham too. We we are two of the youngest teams in the midfield, and or not the midfield on the field period. And this is this is something you just hope that we're building for the future. And some of these kids are already looking really good. Alex Pritchard came on and looked quite good um, wearing the number 24. Uh, again, Ali coming on for Dembele after he got hurt looked very, very good. And, you know, well, we... As, as Liverpool and Tottenham supporters, I also think our biggest thing we're hoping is that uh, these these great players we're turning out will come good for us. Yes. And, you know, not Chelsea or City or freaking Real Madrid. Or Sunderland. As, as happened to DeAndre Yedlin this week. Uh, so go enjoy Yedl's. I, I, I just, I really feel like, you know, and, and a lot of people said, you know, oh God, Spurs didn't do anything in the transfer deadline. And, you know, maybe if Steve Pierce wasn't so much of a dick, we would have gotten Saito Barahino. But we got Sun, we got Clinton, who both should be ready to go after the international break. You know, we got Weimer, we got Alderweireld, and let's just call him Toby. And, you know, Pritchard and Ali are starting to come good along with Thomas Carroll. I'm, I'm pretty happy with this team right now. I'm genuinely happy, and I just, a lot of people blasted this team after, on the deadline deal. A lot of Spurs fans blasted their transfer window. I think it was good. I think we shed dead weight. We're, we're bringing up the youngsters. I, I don't know what really more we can do with a team that is building towards 2018. So would I love to be at 7 points, 8 points, 12 points? Absolutely. I, I'm pretty happy with this team, given that we only have 3 points. Well, you know, that that's just fan bases. Fan bases always want the big splashy signing on signing day. They love to end it. My, my favorite thing I saw from a Liverpool fan this week was, uh, you know, we need to sell all those damn strikers, Benteke included. Oh, yeah. So we need to sell them all and bring in a world-class striker. So, sell one of your the guys, the two people who have scored for you this year. Good idea. Yeah. And oh, I, I just, I actually responded to this on Facebook. I, I saw just, that, yeah. Know, it it kind of got my goat a little bit. I, yeah. But I said, who? all right, who do we get? 
Who? You know, um, A, who do we get that is within the price range that we're going to pay, which is not 70 million pounds for a striker. We're not Did, paying that. Ditto with us. And B, who are you going to get who want, who who will leave their situation to come to Liverpool? I mean, are you leaving are you leaving Real Madrid? Are you leaving Barcelona? Are you leaving Bayern Munich? Uh, are you leaving City? Are you leaving Chelsea? Are you leaving yeah. United? Absolutely not. You know, where, where, oh, where is this world-class striker that we're just going to sell everyone and just buy and he'll come in and fix everything? You know, every Liverpool fan and Spurs fans, I think, are finally getting over this. That, that unbelievable quote, well, we never, you know, we blew our money because we didn't replace Suarez. Or we didn't replace Gareth Bale. Yeah. Okay. Those guys are both in the top three in the world at the position that they play. Mm-hmm. Who are you going to replace them with? Please, inquiring minds would love to know who you're going to replace Gareth Bale with, who is just as good as Gareth Bale and wants to leave his current situation and come to Tottenham. Yeah. We, we have to grow these players. Exactly. Unfortunately, Liverpool and Tottenham, we do not have, uh, we do not have Russian oil money. We don't have Ed Woodward. You know, we no. Oh, thank God. <laughs> we both would have ended up paying eighty million pounds for Roman. Um, you know, we we don't have the massive deals that Manchester United has made with the devil. Yeah. Uh, and we don't have the Saudi oil money. So you know, we we have to be a little different. We're we're not the Yankees. Mm-hmm. We're not the Yankees. We're more, you know, we're we're more the Giants. Yeah. And obviously that works. You know, you you get some players, you develop some players, you go get some good solid guys, you hope it comes together for you. Um that's just that's where Liverpool and Tottenham are. If those two can kick their way into the top four, that's a fantastic season. And then what you hope is that off a top four finish, you keep your team together. And then you turn around and make a bigger push the next season. Hmm. But Tottenham and Liverpool are not going out and buying the championship anytime soon. So those two fan bases just need to get that through their heads. Yeah. <laughs> you know, neither Liverpool, Liverpool nor Tottenham were signing Kareem Benzema. No. It, it just wasn't happening. Uh, obviously, uh, poor man Arsenal was not signing them either. <laughs> But, um, but you know, it's, it's some people just have the, I think, and, and I'm a FIFA player. I believe some people have played so much FIFA. Exactly. And they're just like, well, let me just throw money at it. It'll happen. Yeah. I mean, you know, folks, I've, I've got players on my FIFA team who, um, you know, Marco Verratti's not coming to Liverpool. <laughs> uh, you know, Raphael Varane is not coming to Liverpool. I understand these things. You know, I just bought Thibaut Courtois on a free. <laughs> He's not really coming to Liverpool anytime no. soon. <laughs> well, and that's 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 just the thing. It's just yeah, it's it's, it, it's big business now, and everybody uh-huh. believes that they can be the big club. And unfortunately, exactly. you can't. You can try there, to there, grow your way. There in. are six of them. Unfortunately, there's six big clubs basically. Yeah. Um, and if you want to go see an interesting reaction by myself to people who didn't 
really like the Spurs transfer window, and if you also happen to like Parks and Recreation, go check out my Twitter feed from uh, Tuesday afternoon, where it's just like six straight Parks and Rec gifts. They're amazing on their own, and in context, they're even better. Um, so we're going to move on now to Stamford Bridge. Suddenly vulnerable Stamford Bridge, West Bradshaw, as it's Chelsea 1, Crystal Palace 2. Bakari Sacco and Joel World score for Alan Pardew's men. Radamel Falcao, hey, his head is still good even if his legs aren't, scores for Chelsea in the 79th minute. Uh, but once again, Wes, the defending champions are beaten this time at home. This time Mourinho has almost run out of excuses. But Palace, they, they, they've beaten the small clubs, and now they keep beating those big clubs. This is a very dangerous Eagles team. Well, luckily you somewhat underestimate Josie Mourinho because there is no end to the amount of excuses he can come up with for a team. Fair. Um, obviously... Through four matches, what we've learned about Chelsea is they're going to be relegated, yeah. uh, and they're going to lose all their players over the summer. So enjoy, uh, enjoy the, the third division in a couple years, Chelsea fans. <laughs> um, Chelsea, it's the same problems with Chelsea. You know, Pedro <laughs> came in last week and gave them a boost. <laughs> this week there was no boost, and this is a team that right now they're just. Uh, they're a step slow. Eden Hazard is not having a good season thus far. Mm-mm. Nowhere near Eden Hazard standards. Uh, and really nowhere near a top four team standards. He's just, he's kind of stunk a little bit. Um, this, this is really going to be interesting to keep an eye on because suddenly there are cracks in the Chelsea armor. Yeah. Especially that back And line. you just, I mean, you just, you suddenly start wondering, you know, is this the the cycle for Mourinho? Is it all going to fall apart? Yeah, now, man. obviously, Chelsea are not going to be in the relegation zone. No, no, no. But if they finish fifth, everything has fallen apart. Yeah. They, they might have, they uh, might honestly be the team we all thought City was going to be at the beginning of the season. They may be because where City went out and got players they needed to really improve, Chelsea didn't. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so as somebody noted, they got the uh, they got on the tr- uh, deadline day. They got the uh, Jamaican defensive back who had a nightmare Gold Cup final for four million. So yay! Yeah, you know they they where City went out, identified their targets, and went out and flexed their financial muscle and got their targets. Chelsea, not nearly to the level of United, but Chelsea, you know, they squabbled over money. Well, they don't, they're not going to buy the title, Wes. Yeah, of course not. I mean, you know, they should have gone out if they really wanted John Stones. Yeah. Go out and make Everton an offer they can't refuse. Why do you care if you're Chelsea and you've got all this money coming out of the ass. Why do you care if you pay three or four million more than maybe you could have gotten them for? Mm-hmm. Just go out, say, what do you want for him? Well, we want 40 mil for him. We'll give you 38. We want 40. Fine, we'll give you 40. Don't sit there and squabble about it. Yeah. Um, you know, they made a nice little pickup in stealing Pedro from United. Mm-hmm. 
which just added to the greatness of United's offseason. So yes. I do thank them for that. Yes. But uh, Chelsea, as a team that everyone, everyone said all summer, this is a team that needs to strengthen. Instead, they they didn't totally stand pat, but they might as well have, I think, at the end of the day. They might as well have just stood pat because they did not go out and truly address the issues that they have. Tough times for Mourinho at the bridge. Uh, and again, Palace, Pardue, and the Eagles all flying high. Lastly, we've mentioned them a bunch today at Liberty Stadium in Welsh country. It's Swansea 2, Manchester United 1. Juan Mata, another Chelsea reject, gets the scoring going for United in the 48th minute on a luscious goal. But the Swans were not to be denied. The duo of Andre Ayew and Bafatimi Gomez strike again. Gomez 4 for 4 in the early going so far this season. He does his dance. He crawls on the ground towards the fans, and Swansea takes all three points at home. United looked all right for stretches in this game, dominated possession, but as as they kept saying during the broadcast, it's not about having possession. It's about making your possession count against United, and every time Swansea had possession, West, they looked very dangerous and came away with a big three points for Gary Monk. Wes? Sorry, had that on mute. Uh, Stop muting! Well, it was either that or you had to hear some things you didn't want to hear. Oh, okay. Um, Speaking of uh, Botafemi Gomez real quick and his uh, totally sweet cat dance. Love it. um, I will tell you, funny, uh, my my daughter Callie, she's three years old. Yes. She's so precocious at her age. Sweet baby. she she sat down and watched some Men in Blazers with me last night on the DVR, mm-hmm. and as she saw Botafemi Gomez do his uh do his cat prancing dance, she laughed and said, "Look, Daddy, that girl's a kitty cat." Oh boy! Of course, now my my daughter also thinks that only girls play soccer because uh, she watched the World Cup most of the summer. So that's fair. Uh, she she does she does see girls playing soccer in a good way. Yes. Uh, it helps that Bonifemi Gomez has very long hair as well. Yes. But she said he looks like a kitty cat. And I said, yes, sweetie, he does. And he he gets to look like a kitty cat because he just sunk the damned United. Yes. Yes, he did. United uh, going down and, you know, they, we'll get to it. They have David De Gea on their, on their books now. Yay. Um. Romero showed us the other night why no matter what the consequences, they may be better off bringing David De Gea back into the fold Absolutely, because Romero had a horror show. Yes. For the first time, I mean, you know, they, they played Tottenham to open the season. Then they've had Aston Villa and Newcastle in back-to-back weeks. You could make an argument, Wes, this is the first true offensive uh, plus side team that they faced in the Premier League this season. Well, definitely, and uh, Swansea, take away City right now. Swansea may be the best attack going in the Premier League right now. Certainly. Um, and they made United look very, very mediocre. 
uh, I, I think United needed help at the back this year anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, the, of every of everyone they decided to throw money at and see if it would stick. I don't think they tried hard enough at all to try to get a new central defender. Uh, I really do not think Smalling and Phil Jones are the answer. Mm-hmm. I can't really tell you which one should come off. I I, I really don't care for Phil Jones. No. Um, Blint but, hasn't been having a very good season either so far. No. And, you know, they – they kept throwing money at attackers and midfielders like it was going out of style, but never addressed anything defensively other than, of course, the signing of Schneiderlin. Mm-hmm. But they needed help at the back. They didn't get it, and they were finally somewhat exposed by Swansea the other day. And I just I have a lot of hope that if my beloved Reds can just get it together over this <laughs> international break – that we're going to walk into Old Trafford and have a real chance to come out with points. Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, we, we saw, you know, United kind of take the Belgian side, uh, Club Bruges, that they played in the uh, Champions League playoff. It was Club Bruges, correct? Uh, correct. Yeah. They, they kind of took them to the woodshed. You know, the Premier League proving to be a bit of a different beast here. You know, they, they say they need to shore up that back line. The offense hasn't really been clicking either, though. Rooney, we've talked about Kane earlier. Rooney has yet to open up his Premier League account. Uh, Memphis Depay, early on in his Premier League doings, has not looked very good. Uh, I just, I, I feel like right now United has a lot of problems, and I feel like Van Hall actually doesn't have a lot of answers for them. Van Hall wants to play a very rigid style of football. Mm-hmm. Um, he wants to be the old school pragmatist where, you know, United for, for whatever your thoughts of Sir Alex Ferguson were, mine were not positive, obviously, but Alex Ferguson, when he came to United in the mid eighties, he said, we're going to play open, expansive football. Playing open, expansive football is what made United the powerhouse in the Premier League that they became. Mm -hmm. And it's no coincidence that since Alex Ferguson left, yes, he left the subsequent managers. He did leave them some crap in that squad. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the style of play has completely changed. David Moyes is obviously a park the bus kind of coach. Van Hall is not so much a part of the bus, but he wants everything done in a specific way and a specific style. And, and that style is not free flowing offensive football. Well, and plus he's been criticized a little bit, you know, as soon as, uh, as soon as Fellaini came on late on in the match in the 77th minute for Herrera, you know, it basically, they just took the route one offense approach, bombed it forward and, uh, and tried to put it right on his head into goal. They just want a oof in. Sam Allardyce was right, damn it. Allardyce was right. You hoof it up, and you hope the big man puts it in the net. Um, and, and that's not... That's not the style that United really need to be playing with the players they have. Exactly. I mean, you know... Here's Van Hall, and he's gone out and bought all this exquisite attacking talent. 
I mean, you're sitting on Rooney, Juan Mata, uh, Ander Herrera, um, you know, Schweinsteiger in the middle, Memphis Depay. You know, they've bought these really nice attacking players. And it's like Van Hall's not letting them go out and attack. It's just they're they're playing a very muted brand of football right now. Absolutely. And I just don't think this United team is going to succeed trying to do that this year. They they will succeed on being united, as as we saw kind of against Villa, when they got their goal by a player who's no longer on the team, and Adnan Yanezai, who's heading to Germany. Uh, of course, they also uh, sold off Chicharito during this transfer window. He's gone. So for a team bereft of attacking options right now to get rid of those couple guys, a bit odd. Of course, that wasn't the only odd thing that happened to United this past week. Uh, before <laughs> we get into that, let's take a quick word from our sponsors. Only a few more preseason games to go before the regular season kicks off, and you could start the season by winning $2 million in week one at DraftKings.com, America's favorite one-week fantasy football site. It's the biggest fantasy football contest ever. $10 million in prizes are up for grabs, including $2 million for first place and $1 million for second. One-week fantasy means no season-long commitments. It's fantasy football on demand. Play where you want, when you want, with the players you want. Just pick up your players, pile up the points, and pick up the cash. That's it. You've never experienced football like this. Every game feels like the playoffs, even in week one. And every broken tackle or spectacular catch can take you closer to a $2 million prize. This isn't fantasy as usual. This is DraftKings. Welcome to the big time. Hurry to DraftKings.com now and use promo code SPREAKER to play for free for a shot at $2 million in the week one millionaire maker. Enter SPREAKER for free entry now at DraftKings.com. That's DraftKings.com. And thanks, guys, at DraftKings. You guys were the best. Thanks so much for sponsoring the pod here at NGSC Sports. All right, Wes, the transfer window has shut like you opened the pod with, and one man who did not move was Davidea. We've referenced it during the pod. Everyone knows about it. Manchester United has pointed fingers. Real Madrid has pointed fingers. I'm sure... Many fans on each side have pointed fingers, generally the middle one. Um, you actually had the best analogy you told me over the phone the other day. Why don't you, why don't you tell the folks at home who are listening in their earbuds uh, what your analogy was? Smart man, man, you know, I'd love to make a good analogy. Mm-hmm. You might have to remind me of this analogy. <laughs> oh, it was the one with the two brothers at home who get caught. Oh, that's right. Okay, well, basically what, what the analogy I made was, you know, you have two brothers. You know, say one's 17, one's 15. Mom and dad go out of town for the weekend. Well, they decide they're going to throw a party. And they throw a party, and it gets out of control, and they have a rager. And all of a sudden, here come the parents home early on Sunday morning. The house is trashed. They said, who's responsible for this? And both of the brothers point at the other and say, it was his fault. He's the one who did it. And that's basically what we're sitting on right now between two of the most powerful clubs in the world. Yes. He said, no, he said, no, he didn't do it. No, he didn't do it. There have been some amazingly crazy stories on this. One of them was that uh, United actually sent the form over in a file that Madrid's computers could not open because they were not formatted for that. Basically, that one sent PC and the other had a Mac. Yeah. Um, so they couldn't open it there. 
there's another one stating that uh, United did not send the paperwork until about 20 seconds after the window closed. Mm-hmm. Um, there's another saying that they did send it, and then uh, Real Madrid did not get it submitted in time to the Spanish Federation. I, I mean, I've got to agree with most of the pundits here. The The fact that this transfer, this particular transfer, was left literally until the last minute of the window, mm-hmm. it's ridiculous on both sides. A transfer that we've been literally talking about for almost as long as this podcast has existed. I mean, this this kicked up in April. And before that, there were the rumblings, but it kicked up in April. De Gea basically saying, you know, I, I would leave to go to Madrid. Madrid saying, hmm, we'd like to have you. <laughs> and, you know, you had all summer to figure this out. You're telling me you couldn't have worked on this, you know, a day or two before and just said, you know what, we'll agree on it on Monday. And instead... Now the absolute hysterical laughter that we're hearing is the fact that David De Gea, who has openly expressed how he did not want to be at Manchester United come yeah. September, he's at Manchester United. Yeah. <laughs> and it is fantastic. Um, you know, one of the things, Wes... It is I, truly, it's, it's hilarious. It's yeah. truly hilarious how this happened just because... Of our disdain for both United and Real Madrid. Oh, absolutely. And one of the things that I heard some people mention was, you know, if they wanted to avoid this sort of messiness, especially with the, the somewhat late addition of, of shipping Kaylor Navas over, over to United, was because the because of the weird day that this kind of landed on, uh, being a bank holiday in England. The transfer holiday, the transfer window was open through Tuesday in England. It closed Monday midnight everywhere else in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, what they what they could have done was say, okay, let's get the De Gea paperwork done today, being Monday, and we'll work out the novice part of the deal on Tuesday when you can still ship him over. So we'll do two separate deals. We'll do it in good faith, and, and we'll just we'll just break them up so we can make sure we get this deal done. And and honestly, it just came down to where neither side trusted the other enough to do that, and that. And, that, and they are getting what they deserve, and it's beautiful. Of course, now today it's come out that De Gea is on Manchester United's Champions League squad, which means that he is now going to be cap-locked. So even if he went on a free transfer in the January transfer window, yep. he won't be able to play in the Champions League for Madrid. If he does go there, he would have to stay with United on that front. Well, now that... Now, wouldn't that only go into effect if he actually played in a match in the Champions League? Um, I need to look here, but I, I, I'm pretty. I, you might be right. They're, right now, though, they only have they have Romero, Johnston, and De Gea as listed as goalkeepers on their roster. Um, I'm guessing well, well, you're right, but I, I have I have to have a feeling like if Van Hall has him on the roster, he has to play him. Like you. You can't just let one of the best four or five keepers in the entire world sit on your bench just because he's probably going to leave at the end of the season. You you talked about Rodgers, uh, you know, almost sacrificing his job to try and say that he came good with Lovren. 
he Van Hall cannot be so frigging stubborn enough to not play De Gea in the friggin' Champions League just because of this. He has to play him. Oh no, Van Hall's a pretty stubborn guy. True. Um, well, but but see, here's here's the other thing now that's coming out is now United are trying to get De Gea to sign an extension because they always wanted him. They didn't want to give him up. Well, and of course, the true reason for this is because yes, he's going to be on a free. Um, if they can get him to sign a, a an extension, then there's a chance they can still go back in and recoup this money. Right. Um, I mean, at this point, there's no way they're getting that money anymore because, I mean, A, if you buy him in January, there's no way Madrid's paying huge money mm-hmm. because they're going to say... I mean, we'll just wait six months and get them on a free. United has, at this moment, they have completely lost their leverage in this whole deal. If they can sign to have, even if it's a year extension, you know, you sign them to a year, you put a nice uh, buyout clause in there, you know, the buyout number, mm-hmm. and you go from there, and then you, you re-enter negotiations. But if De Gea sticks to his guns... Which, oh my God, I hope he does. Yes. De Gea sticks to his guns. He's just like, no, I'm, I'm not signing anything. Because, of course, what United United's going to offer him a nice, hefty raise. They're going to say to him, look, man, we'll sell you next summer. Um, but, hey, might as well go ahead and get you a really fat payday out of it right now. Mm-hmm. But then De Gea's got to be sitting there thinking, Oh yeah, you know, you kind of told me you'd sell me this summer. You didn't. Do it. You know what? What? Why should I put my trust into into this front office? Mm-hmm. Not Manchester United per se, but you know Ed Woodward in the front office. Who? This is not the first deal they fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't forget the original Ander Herrera deal was completely screwed up. Mm-hmm. Um. So. You know, David Haye could be sitting there thinking, look, you know, I'm just going to plug my contract. And then also someone like Real Madrid, Real Madrid can sit there, say to his representative, y'all don't sign an extension and we'll, we will make it worth your while with a signing bonus. Right. So, I mean, this is going to get, you know, the transfer dealing was fun enough. Now coming up with the contract extension, if you keep up with this, this is going to be really fun now. <laughs> true levels of dickishness will be on display in this signing. Oh, truly, and from both sides. And also, you know, when you get into United and Real Madrid anyway, mm. you know, this is a Real Madrid who Sir Alex Ferguson has called crooks in the past, um, has called them the mafia, um, you know. Ferguson was refusing that he there was no way he would sell Cristiano Ronaldo to him. He did yes. a whole lot of money. Um, so there is there is bad blood between these two already. But you know when when you're a couple of the maybe six to eight elite clubs in the world, well, you know a lot of times you have to figure out a way to work with each other. And I'll tell you, it's, it has just been so enjoyable watching these two have to work together 
and then just watching everything completely fall apart. This is this has been an amazing end of the transfer for that. Oh, it's been wonderful, and we can't wait to see how the rest of this plays out. Uh, well, right now, as we take a look at United and every other team's spot in the table, through match week four, City stay on top with 12 points. Palace are in second with nine. Leicester and Swansea are level at eight with the same goal differential. Leicester taking the pip on the L in their name. Manchester United currently in fifth place in that Europa League spot. Arsenal and Liverpool just on the outside with seven points apiece. Uh, Watford currently in 17th place. And in the bottom of your heart, the relegation zone. Stoke, Newcastle, and Sunderland all have just two points on the season. Well, that's going to do it for the Barclays Premier League for about a week and change because, Wes, we are headed into that dreaded desert known as the international break. Horrible. I'm already stress eating because of it. Oh, man, that's that's coming through great on the mic. Uh, but with the international break, we do get Euro 2016 qualifying matches. And of course, we'll be bringing much more of those results to you next week as you know we record this podcast on a Wednesday night. The uh, Foreign Affair pod gets recorded every Wednesday night. Uh, and matches start on Thursday this week. So by the time you're listening to this, at least some of the matches will have already been played, but we're going to go through them really quickly anyway. Uh, Group A, which is led by Iceland and the Czech Republic, their matches. And now what's happened is we've played six matches, ten matches in the group stage, at least for most of the groups. Uh, we're playing two of the matches this Thursday through Tuesday, and then the last two matches in the group stage will be played in October. So for this round here, this next few days... Uh, Group A, Czech Republic versus Kazakhstan. The Netherlands versus Iceland. That's going to be a fantastic match, Wes. The Dutch versus Giffy Sigurdsson and Iceland. And Turkey versus Latvia. Then on the 6th of September, Latvia versus Czech Republic. Turkey versus the Netherlands. And Iceland versus Kazakhstan. Over in Group B, which is currently being led by Wales and Belgium. With Israel in third. The matches will be... Belgium versus BNH and West. BNH have been disappointing this season so far in Euro qualifying, but they have a tough test as they head to Brussels. <clears throat> Absolutely. Um, because BNH still have quality in that squad. Mm-hmm. And if they can just turn it on, they, uh, they can give anybody problems. Certainly. Uh, Cyprus will be hosting Wales. Israel will be hosting Andorra. Then on the 6th, Wales versus Israel. That could be a bid match as Israel tries to stay in the push. B&H gets what should be a big win at home against Andorra. And then Cyprus hosts Belgium. Going to Group C, which uh, sees Slovakia, which is already assured at least a third-place slot, leads the group. Spain is in second. The Ukraine are in third. Your matches this block, starting on the 5th, Luxembourg versus Macedonia, yay, Ukraine versus Belarus, and Spain versus Slovakia. Then on the 8th, Belarus, Luxembourg, Macedonia, Spain, Slovakia, and the Ukraine. That could be a very big match as Ukraine trying to jump up in one of those two guaranteed spots. Group D for the group of death. Wes, this has been a fun group throughout and on September 4th, 
the second edition of the World War II Derby. Germany v. Poland. Poland pipped them the first time, Wes. But this time, they'll be playing in Frankfurt. The Germans are going to have revenge on their mind. That's never good for anyone. Never good when the Germans are gunning for you. Um, I think Germany should be okay. A, it's back in the in the Rhineland, and B, just just the fact that Poland caught them coming right out of uh, the World Cup the last time. I think they maybe still had a little bit of the World Cup hangover going on. Mm-hmm. That is over. I believe Germany's refocused and ready to play. Your other matches on the fourth will be Georgia v. Scotland and Gibraltar, the mighty Jib, versus Ireland. On the seventh, Poland gets Jib at home. Ireland versus Georgia. And Scotland versus Germany as Scotland currently in third looks to try and secure at least a playoff spot. Group E for easy uh, sees England and Switzerland up top with Slovenia sneaking around there. Uh, it's going to be on the 5th, Estonia versus Lithuania. San Marino versus England and Switzerland v. Slovenia. Then on the 8th, England versus Switzerland, Lithuania, San Marino, and Slovenia, Estonia. West England v. Switzerland. England won the first match between these two teams 2-0 to open, qualifying Strong England side looks to win again, this time uh, at home against Switzerland. Um, That's turning into an interesting group. Um, I'm excited to see what happens out of there just because it is somewhat still up in the air. Mm -hmm. Um, And and you've got got good teams, good not great teams there. Very, very true. Every, everybody, Switzerland, good. Slovenia, Estonia, and Lithuania, though, all still in the running for a spot. As we go to Group F, which is currently right at the top, Romania and Northern Ireland battling it out with Hungary not far behind. On September 4th, it will be the Faroe Islands versus Northern Ireland. Greece, the forgotten team, versus Finland. And Hungary versus Romania. On the 7th, Finland versus Faroe. Ireland versus Northern Ireland, I'm sorry, versus Hungary, and Romania v. Greece. Again, Group F, Greece in last place in this group. Group G, led by Austria and Sweden. Zlatan, we need more Zlatan in our lives. Uh, Right now, he will be heading to Moscow for their battle with Russia on the 5th. Austria gets Moldova, and Montenegro gets Liechtenstein. Uh, And on the 8th, Liechtenstein hosts Russia, Moldova gets Montenegro, and Sweden v. Austria for West, the match that may end up deciding who wins the group ultimately. Oh, come on, you lovely Swedes. Bring through that glorious, glorious Zlat. By the way, Ed, right now the TV is turned to uh, the Travel Channel, Mm. a show called Delicious Destinations. They are in London, and they are making pies. But who who will they predict will win England versus Switzerland? Oh, I've got to believe the English because of that forward-thinking dynamo, Roy Hodgson. We love you, Roy. Uh, Group H, Croatia right now leads with Italy just a point behind. Of course, that's because Croatia likes to draw swastikas on their pitch. Uh, Norway is also at 10 points in third place. Matches this week, Azerbaijan hosts Croatia. Bulgaria with Norway, Italy gets Malta, 
on the 6th, it'll be Malta, Azerbaijan, Norway, Croatia, and Italy, Bulgaria. That may be Croatia's last tough test, that match going to Oslo to face Norway. And finally, the Group I, the group with only five teams, the crazy group, the one with drones and stuff. Uh, Portugal currently leading with 12, but Denmark has 10, and Albania also has 10. Armenia has one. Serbia somehow has negative two, in a, in a, in a way. So, <laughs> yay, despite the fact that they, they have a draw, they... They, they have taken the negative two points. So, yay. Uh, on September 4th, we'll get Denmark, Albania, and Serbia, Armenia. On the 7th, Armenia, Denmark, and Albania, Portugal. I'm, I'm really trying to figure out why Serbia is now down to negative two points, and I can't. Didn't they get dot? Well, obviously they got dot points for something. Okay, so, okay. I felt like they were still above ground, though, but yeah. The match was originally awarded as a 3-0 win to Serbia, their match with Albania, who also received a three-point deduction after a disciplinary decision. The decision was appealed by both clubs. Uh, associations then fought further appeals to the Court of Arbitration of Sport, but they rejected the appeal filed by the Serbian FA. Um, that is, I don't know. So yeah, Serbia, negative two points. You're not advancing. You're you're just not. So let's see who we can you can bring down with you. Cause you're playing Armenia again, so that'll that's, be fun. That's that's the way of the world. If you can't advance, see who you can drag down the hill with you. Fun. Uh, going into this uh, weekend of matches, third place teams look like this: Albania. Hey, they're there again. Actually, lead the third place teams. They get would get automatic qualification into the finals. Uh, the rest of them look like this. Hungary, Scotland, Netherlands, Russia, Norway, Ukraine, Slovenia, and Israel would all be in a playoff to advance. Those playoffs would be in November. So that's UEFA Euro 2016 qualifying. Again, if you have it, uh, I know ESPN has been running quite a few of these matches on the Watch ESPN app as well as ESPN Deportes. But Wes, that's, that's going to do it about for our football coverage on the night as we we blow it bid it adieu and blow a kiss to it oh international break is here we love it so much not really at all but that's why we get stories like this that just broke a couple hours ago redskins gm's wife tweets espn reporter used oral sex to get scoops what yeah I, I knew it was in the wrong line of work oh uh, yeah you see, yeah. because on our side, we would be the ones given the blow job. Well, no, because you would have been a football player and you would... Let's, we're not going to dwell on this story any anymore. We're going we're gonna to talk about another. Um, uh, well, I, I did read something about that, though, that um, they've actually said that that was a fake account. Um, th there has been talk that that is actually not the case. Um, I think that's awesome. Uh, it says the tweet actually came from a private account. And if, if you're... Why are we talking about this story? Uh, Redskins GM Scott McClellan's wife might have actually sent this out. The reason they think it was actually from her was because it was from a private account, uh, a private Twitter account. Uh, there was another tweet from another Redskins wife to this account, and uh, they, they've been cross-checking, 
and now that Twitter account has actually been completely deleted. Oh, we're gonna get Homeboy high five because they're both like his wife and his uh, supposed side chick yes. are both really hot. Um, sure. I actually haven't seen this Diana Murray Russell Rossini person. Uh, very pretty, dark hair, big boobs. Just the way I like them. <laughs> there you go. That's obviously willing to put out. So, uh, let's okay, maybe we get her on the pod one week. Oh, anything about soccer? Probably not. Um, what we're going to talk about instead is a story that's gotten a little bit of attention uh, after a picture of a monitor outside of the Virginia Tech players' lounge made its way into the Richmond Times Dispatch. Um, it's been this this picture. Did you see the picture, Wes? Um, no. Uh, there's a picture uh, of player fines listed on this TV monitor. Uh, for example... Oh, okay. I heard about it, but no, I didn't see it. I've heard about this one. Uh, it's, if you miss class, a Monday, Wednesday, Friday class, it's $30 uh, per class. If you miss a Tuesday, Thursday class, it's $45. And if it's once a once a week class, it's ninety dollars. If you're late to study hall, that's a five dollar fine. If you miss breakfast, it's a ten dollar fine. Uh, if you get reported for being disruptive in class, it's a fifteen dollar fine. If you have a dirty dorm or locker, it's fifty dollars. And if you draw an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty, it's a hundred dollars. Which of course then brought the joke that if you do something that gives up yards during a game, it's a hundred dollars. But if you miss a class, it's just 30. It's fine. So, once again, great uh, standards there set by the NCAA. But, of course, this the general point that's coming to question is, and this has come into also Cincinnati, is if you're not paying these student-athletes, Wes, how can you find them? And a lot has been made with, you know, this new academic stipend. We talked about, I think you and I talked about it maybe off-pod, about East Carolina doing it. Uh, them giving about $4,000 to student-athletes for more than what a normal scholarship would be uh, for stuff like meals, uh, just just whatever you need, books, stuff that doesn't come as part of your normal uh, uh, scholarship. But if you're finding kids who aren't, again, as we remember from last year, you can't take a regular job, so you can't supplement your income another way, should should schools be fining their student athletes? One hundred percent not. I mean, we're you know you're we're already talking about not all obviously, but a lot of these kids come from poor backgrounds. I mean, all their money is coming straight through their scholarship. Yep. I mean, that's their money to try to live off of for a semester, and you think you're going to sit there and find them for this? Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you what. Hey, that's fine. If you can find my players, then my boosters can pay my players. Yeah. You know, this was an interesting comment by Cincinnati AD Mike Bond to CBS Sports. Uh, He said, quote, We have simply helped our student-athletes know of our commitment to their success and our investment in them and what is at risk in the event they violate existing policies, procedures, and team rules. This seems like a tacit... Uh, admission that yes we do find our players who again we're not actually paying the the these stipends the this is all done by student aid not part of the actual athletic part of the school 
Exactly. This isn't like in the NFL where if you find a player, you just take it out of his paycheck he gets every two weeks or every week. Right. I mean, this is like, I mean, this is the equivalent to getting a speeding ticket. I mean, you have to go and pay it off mm-hmm. out of your own money. Absolutely. Uh, Tommy I mean, Tuberville. Way to say that. But. Yeah. Uh, Tuberville, the coach at Cincinnati, said, quote, this has nothing to do with football performance. We have high standards our players will uphold and they will be held accountable. We will never duck from our commitment to support our student-athletes. But no, they know we expect them to be great citizens, which is a really scummy way of trying to defend this. Like, well, you know, we're we're doing them a favor, you know, and we're just trying to show them the real-world consequences while they're here in our schools so they, they can go out to be fine young men back out in the workforce after their four years are done here at Cincinnati. I, I think that is that is so terrible, and I also feel like it, it further perpetuate certain stereotypes, which we're not going to talk about in this podcast because there's no reason to talk about this podcast. But yeah. this is, this is even when you put that aside, this is still scummy, underhanded, and disingenuous at best. I want to know where the money's supposed to go to. It's a good question. Um, because, I mean, I don't believe you can put it back into the general scholarship fund. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Um... Oh, jeez. They're just, you know, as much as the NCAA wants us to believe that these kids are amateurs. This is amateur athletics. But yet we're going to allow institutions to find you like pros. You know, you want to toe this line and say these are student athletes well, we're gonna we're gonna find you like you're a pro football player if you do something that we deem to be wrong. Uh, I like this quote, and this is kind of getting to what I said earlier. Uh, another Power Five athletic director uh, said in this article by CBS Sports on it. Uh, he said, "quote I just wouldn't want to take a kid's money. The optics of it are just awful. Let me see. White man making four million dollars a year tells a kid that he's going to take some of his scholarship money." Uh, what he said they do instead is they document everything the kid does, and if they have a case, they can then use it to dismiss him from the team and possibly the school if there's enough like it. And he said, we document like crazy, and we've never lost an appeal to the university. And that seems like a much better way to handle it. Uh, I just, oh, the NCAA. I mean, this is where Mark Emmert and his little stormtroopers need to step in and fix this. Yeah. You know, protect the students. That's what we're doing, right? We're protecting the students. But what, couldn't, the, couldn't the schools just argue, like Tuberville was trying to for Cincinnati, that they're, they're trying to teach them life lessons and, and make sure they're good people isn't and isn't... In a weird way, isn't that what the NCAA's goal is, kind of, too? Well, I mean, we've been teaching these lessons in the NCAA for over 100 years. Why suddenly do we have to start taking the kids' money from them? That's fair. Because we're giving them more. (laughs) Because we're doing them a favor by giving them more. And this stipend isn't a right. It's a privilege. Bear Bryant, Ed. (laughs) Yes. Didn't have to take the kids' money. Old bear just let you run till you died. That's not a good way to handle it either. 
I think it's a better way. You don't need water. Water's for sissies. Oh, uh, I do like this one. Um, this one other blurb here uh, that and the Arizona athletic director Greg Byron said that he estimates his department spends on average eighty nine thousand dollars per athlete during the school year. He said that number includes scholarships, food, clothing, equipment, and travel. And portions also account for the training room and strength and conditioning. I can see that. I mean, you know, if you just take in, <clears throat> I mean, if you just start figuring in scholarship and, you know, with the room and board and everything, um, I mean, I can, I can tell you from personal experience, friends who played it, I mean, those guys eat well. Yeah, that's true. Um, I, I know. I've, I've been to multiple <laughs> campus dining halls including the one specifically for athletes at vanderbilt it's good ish well and i'll tell you this i mean the ecu players you know baseball brit you know he's playing ecu if they won on sunday night they got steak and lobster and if they lost i mean you still got a good meal it just uh, wasn't steak and lobster (laughs) yeah that that was the that was the uh, that was the that's the fine. reward for winning, but I mean, let's just put it this way: it wasn't like they just got one eight ounce steak, yeah, and, and one you know uh, seven ounce lobster tail here. You know, those guys were putting them away, and so you know the food definitely adds up. I mean, when you look at the travel, I mean, God, if you're traveling for seven away games, you're putting. 60 some guys on an airplane flying them. Um, you know, the cool, one of the cool things about being a college athlete is you've always got the latest and the greatest swag. Oh yeah. You know I mean? Uh, I mean, God, the basketball players, I remember at NC state when my good friend, Chris Falk was the manager at NC state. I mean, if those guys, if one of them said, Hey, I want a new pair of shoes. They just went down to the equipment room and, Pulled out a you know pulled out a box with a brand new pair of Adidas in there the the uh, the uh, the Adidas Kobe's or whatever they wanted. I mean I ended up I ended up getting stuff out of that deal because uh, me myself and if you remember Josh Powell former center for NC State let's say I did. Uh, we had the same shoe size <laughs> so I actually came into a few pairs of Josh Powell's game worn shoes. Oh nice. And I'm saying he only wore them once or twice. <laughs> So when I get them, they'd still be brand spanking new, basically. Um, but I mean, when you look into, yeah, I mean, look into equipment. Oh, well, I can, I can see that. You know, depending on whatever your tuition is. I mean, think about somewhere like a Duke or a Vanderbilt. I'm sure it's even higher than that. Could be the case. Uh, but wherever we think about that, we are both very much against finding student athletes. Actual do, money. Do better than that, yeah. Let's do better than that. Jesus Christ, Virginia Tech. What is your Anyway, let's talk about happier things, Wes. Let's hit the watch four. What have you been watching in the week that was in the week that will be? Although I have a feeling I know what you're gonna use. <laughs> I don't think you're gonna get this one. Well, um It's not documentary is... now? Well, I have watched documentary now, but I've already talked about that once. Okay, that's fine. You know, I I have gone through the first two episodes. They actually, there was a little controversy around documentary now. Oh, no. The second, well, uh, because of, of course, the the shooting of the two uh, reporters. Yes, yes. 
in the last week. Last week's episode of Documentary Now was supposed to be um, two reporters um, like getting into, I don't know exactly, but it's got something to do with two reporters reporting on the cartel oh. or doing a documentary about the cartel. Mm-hmm. And I've got to figure that it ended badly with the with you know the documentary makers probably being killed or something probably so apparently they they switched around some episodes and have made that that's this week's episode now okay so last week so just a little something on that go ed i am looking forward to next wednesday night when we will be doing the uh a foreign affair podcast and the season debut of the final season of the league oh no that show's ending oh no I know that hardly disappoints you. Which, by the way, I don't think you've ever watched the league, have you? Nope. I actually think you kind of enjoy the league. Eh. It's a little raunchy, but I, 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 I actually do believe you would enjoy the league. I feel like Nick Kroll has a, a starring role in that show, correct? Oh, he does. I, I can't take Nick Kroll. I, I take him in very, very small doses. That said, he does not do some of the typical Nick Kroll stuff in it. Huh. I mean, he, he he definitely has the Nick Kroll sarcasm. I mean, literally down to an art. Uh, but none of the characters are the really annoying shit that was on the Nick Kroll show. Oh, okay. Um, but a lot of cameos from NFL players, which take them or leave them, whatever. Basically, the entire NFL part of this is just kind of a nice little way to bring the story all the way around mm-hmm. it's basically a group of friends who just get off on like humiliating each other and mm-hmm. doing horrible shit it's very very funny sounds familiar very funny so uh, i'm looking forward to season seven the final season of the league seven seasons that's a good run though for that show um, a couple okay. weeks away from most of my shows coming back so I'm going to hold off on there. I'm going to talk about two shows real quick that just ended their season runs. One ended its series run. The other ended its first season run. First one, uh, Dark Matter. I've talked about it a few times. Again, it's it's a fantastic show on sci-fi, uh, a show about uh, this group of convicted criminals who wake up with no memory on a spaceship and try to form some sort of bond with each other, even though they don't really trust each other at all it makes for good space hijinks and there's enough humor and heart where where the darkness doesn't become too prevalent as has happened on other shows like your, your Battlestar Galacticas which was way too friggin heavy um this is this is a bit more of the lighter sci-fi but still a really good space-based show so good on sci-fi for bringing that show back that show's gonna be coming back next year for season two so I'm very excited with the somewhat cliffhanger it ended on, how they're going to resolve it. Uh, also ending this week uh, for good was TNT's Falling Skies, a show that had so much promise, and if I hadn't already watched the first four seasons, I would not have watched this last one. Um, basically, it's the story, if you guys don't know, it's a, and I'm not spoiling anything because it's the entire premise of the show, uh, aliens came to Earth, they invaded, and they won. And so we, we follow this group of, of ragtag humans who are trying to take the Earth back. And we follow them over the course of five seasons. Uh, it starts off all right, and then it just kind of falls off a cliff and dies. Um, if I, I can't anymore actually recommend the show. It ended so flaccidly, so abruptly, it's just, all right, 
We had to wrap this show up. Here you go. Done. So it, it was fine. I'm glad it's over so I never have to watch it again. That's all I have to say about that. Wes, you might almost say it left me a little raw. And I was going to say that was that was a pretty raw take. Oh yeah, it, was, it wasn't a hot take. It was a raw take. But for more take, for more raw takes, let's get so raw, Wes Bradshaw, with the latest goings ons in the WWE, where a guy got shot in Florida for stalking an NXT girl. I mean, it happens. <laughs> yeah, it happens. Sure. If you've seen some of those NXT girls, I can't say I blame him. Hubba hubba. Call me Alexis Bliss if you happen to be listening to this show. I don't know who that is. Oh, it's nice. I'm just going to leave it at that. It's it's very nice. <laughs> gotcha. Alexa Bliss. We love her. All right. So raw, so raw, so raw. Um, well, Ed, uh, two things for so raw this week. We have the actual wrestling and then we have the darker side of wrestling. Uh, how about we start with the wrestling and then we'll go and move into the darkness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, this week on Raw, Sting opened the show with a uh, promo. He cut against Seth Rollins. I didn't think it was anything special, but whatever. Uh, Sting will, of course, be facing Rollins for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship at the Night of Champions pay-per-view coming up on the 20th of September. Now, Ed, the premise of Night of Champions as it, you may gather by the title, all championships will be defended. Makes sense. At Night of Champions. Well, at the last count, Seth Rollins held not one, but two WWE championships. The other, of course, being the United States title that he won from John Cena at SummerSlam. At the end of the show, Seth Rollins comes out to give his rebuttal against Sting and to call out Sting. And instead, who comes out? You can't see me. Ba, ba, da, ba. John Cena ba, was ba, back. Ba. John Cena. John Cena comes out of the ring, cuts a pretty daggone good promo on Rollins. I'm not going to lie. Cena's I, been spitting. Cena's been going uh, a lot of dialogue on us lately. He's been spitting hot fire. Can I throw something out really quick? Absolutely. Whatever started this now, and I don't know why it's starting now, this trend of throwing John Cena into everything on the internet, including a video I saw today of a DJ starting to play at a club, the, the beginning part of uh, My Name Is by Eminem. And then when he gets to the high, my name is what? My name is who? My name is John Cena! And then starting his song... I, I don't know why this has caught on all of a sudden, but thank you. Thank you, Internet, and thank you, John Cena. This is amazing. I don't truly know if this is that new of a trend. They've been doing shit with John Cena for the last few years. Uh, there are radio stations that will prank call people, and um, it'll sound like just a normal conversation, and all of a sudden they'll start playing John Cena music, and they'll have this voice, uh, this voiceover, John Cena, Cena, Cena. And it kind of drives people up the wall. It's pretty funny. Um, but I digress. John Cena demanded a rematch for his United States heavyweight title at Night of Champions. 
Seth Rollins looks over at uh, Stephanie McMahon and looks at her and says, well, obviously you're not going to give him this match because I'm already defending the world title. And then John Cena says, but don't you forget, all titles must be defended at Night of Champions. Stephanie McMahon begrudgingly agreed. And now, Ed, what may be the greatest pay-per-view thing ever, Seth Rollins will wrestle twice in one night and defend two titles. He will face John Cena for the U.S. title and Sting for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. And I, for one, could not be happier than to get a double dose of Seth Rollins. That sounds amazing. Also, I looked up Alexa Bliss. She she looks okay. Well, you know, you and I have different tastes. We do. Sometimes. Also, she's Uh, trying to get hashtag blissed off trending. Um, Stop. Just no, 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 no. You you have to see NXT to know what's going on. I don't care. It's dumb. It makes sense once you watch the NXT. I. Mm, you gotta watch the NXT. Mm, I don't know if I do or not. She's quite lovely though. She she's gone bad now. She's a bad girl. She's like from uh, she's from Ohio. She is from Ohio. They they do have an inordinate amount of uh, lady wrestlers coming out of Ohio recently for some reason. It is a pretty terrible place. So. Well, it's always a good spot to want to get out of. So, you know, I think somewhere like Ohio, um, you know, that, that pushes you to greatness because, my God, I'll do anything to get the hell out of Ohio. Ah, oh, a four and a fair um, pod. Uh, unless you're one of the 40,000 Ohio State undergraduates yeah. who never want to leave. A four and a fair pod, number one in the books, and we've already destroyed an entire fan base state. Fantastic. Way to go, Wes. Way to go, Edward. We're great. Well, I, I don't know. They do have a lot of soccer fans up there, so, you know. We know one. Hey. Yeah, totally. And he's he's part of just a pack. But he he hates Ohio State, so we like him for that. That's true. We love you, Nick Petrovich. You can come well, You can come love- on to Foreign Affair Pod anytime you want. And pull for your, your beloved wolves. Um, now, Ed, for unfortunately a darker side of the wrestling business, mm-hmm. um... We have another controversy in a in a summer that for the poor for the beleaguered WWE legends will not end soon enough. No. A summer where we've already said goodbye to the immortal legends Dusty Rhodes and Rowdy Roddy Piper. Mm-hmm. We've uh figuratively said goodbye to Hulk Hogan. Who? Because uh, Who? uh Terry Balea likes to say racist things. I don't know who that is. Uh, you used to know him. You hmm. used to know him. You, you knew him when you were a kid, I'm sure. Huh, yeah. Okay. People huh. do forget over time. Well, now it's come out that, uh, well, not so much come out, but uh, Superfly Jimmy Snuka, one of the most popular WWF superstars of the late 70s and the early 80s, has been arrested for third-degree murder for a crime that may have been, that was committed in 1983. Hmm. Um, it was, it was basically a cold case for 30 years. Uh, Superfly's, Superfly was dating a lady back in the early eighties. Her name was Nancy. I cannot remember her last name, but I know her name was Nancy. Um, while he was in Allentown, Pennsylvania to, uh, to do a show, uh, his girlfriend was found dead in their hotel room. Oh God. Um, 
from from blunt force trauma. Uh, at the time, Superfly told the law enforcement officers that while he and his lady were uh, engaging in the sexuals, apparently he slammed her into the wall. And uh, that is where she got her head injury that eventually killed her later that evening. Uh. <clears throat> that was the story he gave uh, gave police. There's also another story that Vince McMahon happened to show up at this with a large suitcase that he did not leave with. <laughs> so take that for what it's worth. Mm. <laughs> um, the investigation went cold because basically Superfly was the only person of interest and he was you know kind of cleared of it back then uh but the case remained open just because it was never solved well a couple years ago jimmy snooker releases his autobiography in which in writing he claims that she she uh hit her head when they stopped on the side of the highway for her to use the bathroom on the way to uh to a show I believe it was at a rest stop and she slipped on the steps and hit her head when she came down. Oh, of course that, that makes sense. So, um, some intrepid detectives in Allentown, Pennsylvania saw this reopened the case. And I believe it was yesterday being Tuesday. Uh, I might've been Monday night or Tuesday. Jimmy Snooker was arrested for third degree murder. So, uh, whew, yeah. Uh, another WWE legend having having problems, and you know, someone pointed out uh, basically the WrestleMania one main event involved six men. It was a tag team match, and each team had a man in their corner. Uh, out of that WrestleMania one main event, just this summer, Hulk Hogan's a racist. Superfly killed somebody, and Roddy Piper died. Yes. It's been a rough month for. It's been a, it's been a rough about six weeks span here for uh, for participants of WrestleMania one. That said, Cowboy Bob Orton, Mister Wonderful Paul Orndorff, and Mister T are all doing just fine. Oh well, that's that's good. Yes, as long as nothing happens to Mister T. I say that very very sarcastically because I cannot stand Mister T. Oh, I'm sorry. Whatever. Well. That's going to do it for episode 70 of A Foreign Affair. Uh, it is episode 70 slash one. But if you've been longtime listeners of the all-new sports of the podcast, you're just going to keep fitting right in here. We are going to be bringing you the best soccer coverage. Two gents in America with absolutely no connections can with undue hilarity. Just like we talked about a lot with Manchester United and David De Gea. Because guess what? We really don't like Manchester United. Or Real Madrid. That's true. We really don't like... You know what? I'm starting to think it's not that I don't like Real Madrid. It's just that I really hate Cristiano Ronaldo. I can agree with that. I'm not a big Ramos fan either. Oh, true. He just... He looks too much like Iceman. Oh, God. Um, But that's going to do it for this episode welcome you guys back next week when we recap euro 2016 qualifying matches and preview another week in the barclays premier league we're playing sunderland we're gonna get three points i hope yeah we're playing united jesus christ but sturge might be back or he might be back in two months 
Uh, no, has already been ruled out. Oh, that's literally saw it in the last 15 minutes. That's brutal. But of course, you can you can find us on NGSC Sports and NGSCSports.com, where we never stop. Find us on Twitter at AFA Pod or at All New Sports Show. Wes, you are. At West Bradshaw 21. I am at Edward Green. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Periscope, email, as well as mailing us your letters and parcels. All those links are in the description of the pod. You can, of course, find this podcast on NGSCSports.com along with all their other great radio programs. You can find us on Spreaker iHeart Radio, the TuneIn mobile app, Stitcher Radio, the iTunes Music Store, and Podbean.com. Thanks to all those. Thanks to DraftKings for sponsoring this podcast as well. For now, though, that's going to put this episode to bed. Anything else to say before we go, Wes? If y'all want to hit me up, send me a Dirty 30 at Coors Lights. Yeah, that. okay. We, we can... Yeah, Ed, sh- do I need to open a door in my house that you don't want me to open? No, you really don't. Okay then. Dirty Please don't. Coors Light. Sure, give 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 the man what he wants, people. We always negotiate with terrorists. So for Wes Bradshaw, not Sex Ferguson, I am Edward Green here on the AFA Pod for an affair episode one in the books. We'll catch you guys next week. Good night, everybody. Good night, Serbia. As long as it's not a Serbian film. Oh God. Please. Oh yeah, the purge. Oh god, that's that's fine. You start talking about surgery. Dude, the purge is like a freaking episode of Peppa Pig compared to a surgery. Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSCSports.com where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSC Sports YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter 